Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Rabina Ahmed Huck, and this is the Alex Pearson Show. Well, it's a story that we have been following closely. The death of 22-year-old Masha Amini. Uh, after she was detained by Iran's quote-unquote morality police uh, and subsequently died, that has sparked unprecedented protests across the country. Uh, she was detained for not wearing her hijab or her headscarf properly. Uh, videos have now emerged across social media showing young protesters, mostly women, uh, de- showing uh, defiance by burning their hijab, by cutting their hair. Iranian government, no surprise, says these protesters are dangerous, they're a threat, and they blame the U.S. Uh, for spreading the unrest. Uh, but here in Canada, it has really sparked a conversation about uh, what this story really means for Muslim women. And there are nuances with every story when it comes to religion and the way that we view uh, certain things that maybe not all of us 100% understand. We are joined by Maria Iqbal. She's the 905 region-based staff reporter for the Toronto Star uh, to talk about uh, what uh, what this story has done for the conversation about Muslim women and those who wear hijab. Maria, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I wanted to start start uh, by getting your take. I read your piece, and and you uh, you show how some people will see you put up a picture, and some people will see a picture of a duck. Some people will see a picture of a rabbit. It depends on how you look at it. You sort of compared this to how we are viewing uh, this story that's unfolding across uh, the world, and how we view women who wear hijab but continue to support those women who are still protesting what has happened to this young woman in Iran. Can you can you explain to me that point of view? Sure. So I think, um, you know, whenever stories like this break, and, and I, I say stories like this because this isn't a new conversation, but um, I think what we've seen is that oftentimes it becomes very difficult um, for, for people um, to reconcile um, you know, seeing these images and and the news from you know places such as Iran, where women are living in a in a very different context um, and are um, you know required to um, cover um, and legally so um, to reconcile that with you know other women that we may see in Canada who are wearing similar dresses but um, without that same context. And I think I think that that is something that often tends to get lost in the conversation that there are two very different contexts in which uh, these women are acting or are dressing in a certain way. Um, and so that's uh, essentially what I wanted to um, to focus on. So when when someone who doesn't wear hijab or isn't Muslim sees a woman with a with a hijab or a niqab on, which is the full face covering covering from your nose down, um, if if they say, you know, you're being forced to wear that, a man has told you that you should wear that, your father told you that that's what you should wear. What's your reaction to that point of view? <laughs> 
Um, I think, you know, with anything, you know, like, and I will say this, that I do think that there are, um, you know, plenty of people who are genuinely concerned. um, And, you know, perhaps ask these questions because out of a well meaning kind of, um, you know, that they are well meaning when they ask, but I think it's important to recognize that, you know, whenever, um, that it's not fair to assume that someone, someone needs your help that, and, and I think, um, you know, not knowing an individual's context and, and, you know, sort of imposing that on them that you've been told to do this when, if they in fact are denying that, I think that that, um, is itself problematic because you are, eliminating a woman's own voice um, and her own agency without actually knowing the context in which she's living. Um, and I think that it, it like, we don't do that for, you know, like if there was, if we suspected that someone was a, a victim of domestic abuse, for example, we would not Im- impose that idea on them. If, you know, if, if we were concerned, we would ask them. And I think the same, um, you know, compassion should be extended to women that we, genuinely feel concerned about if we do feel concerned about them that we should let them um, kind of lead the way and, and guide us as to whether or not they are um, you know in distress um, but also recognize that there are plenty of women who who are doing you know act, uh, dressing the way that they do out of their own free will and their own acts of agency and, and in some cases also rebellion you know um, you know if they're fighting against um, laws such as in Quebec or in France, or, um, you know, sometimes there's family pressures not to wear the hijab, uh, just as there may be to wear the hijab. So women are acting in very, um, you know, complex ways. And I think that, um, you know, recognizing that and, and recognizing women's own agency is a very important part of, um, uh, of this conversation. You know, my own mom uh, grew up in Pakistan and wore a burqa until she was married and moved to England and only then took it off. And I remember asking her how that felt. Um, and she said she felt naked. <laughs> That's the way she described it. Now she does not wear a headscarf or burqa. And, and she doesn't, that wasn't something that was in our family. Uh, but I, I remember having that really interesting conversation with her because to her, that was her world. That was who she was. It was her identity. Are we missing that part of the conversation? Because we are, we are, of course, supporting women uh, for their right to wear or not wear the hijab or or niqab or burqa. But at the same time, are we missing the conversation when, when, when we say, "Well, you're wearing it, and you, there's no way that you could support this cause because you're doing exactly what they're asking women in Iran to do." Absolutely, I think um, you know, like religion is a very personal matter, and there's a lot of you know, a lot of thought that goes into, you know, practicing religious belief, especially in in countries that are not Muslim countries, like places like Canada, you know, people like I myself grew up here. And, you know, I I was not oblivious to, you know, the ideas and and the conversation that, you know, happens in our society when it comes to these coverings, when I decided to put on, you know, the hijab, and then later the niqab. I feel that sometimes that that gets lost from the conversation that how, how hard it is actually for um, women to to actually start wearing the hijab or niqab in places such as Canada, and you know, um, because it it is much easier to not face that resistance in society. You know, like when you go to school or you go to work, um, you know, you're going or or even just walking on the sidewalk, you you know that there are people who are thinking certain things, um, and and at times they you know even 
outwardly express that, you know, in the form of harassment. Um, so it's not an easy thing for people to do. And when women do that, in spite of all those challenges, um, I think it's worth recognizing that they're only doing so out of a very, very strong conviction in their heart. Um, so I, I, I do uh, very strongly agree that that it is oftentimes a matter of a woman's identity that she feels very strongly about it, that it is a part of her and, mm-hmm. and, and stripping her of that identity is in a way, you know, like your mom described, you know, it does make a person feel naked. And, and I mean that not just physically, but, but, you know, in a more, um, I guess, metaphorical point of view as well, that you're being just, just stripped of that identity and, and not allowed to be who you are. Yeah, I, I, that's exactly how I meant it. Not naked in, in the, the literal sense, but she just felt like her identity, she, she didn't have that identity anymore. It took her a while uh, to figure out who she was as this new person, not wearing uh, not wearing the niqab and not being that person anymore. Your uh, uh, your opinion piece uh, is titled "What We Owe Masha Amini and All Muslim Women." Uh, what do we owe Masha Amini? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. I-, I think at the very least we owe them, you know, the recognition that um, that they have a choice and that they are free to to choose what they want for themselves and um a recognition that you know just because in one context someone may be acting in a certain way in another context that doesn't necessarily apply so i i think what we owe them is their own voice their own agency and uh, letting them define what the hijab or the niqab or the lack thereof or whatever covering anyone chooses to wear um to define that for themselves i think we owe that all to them Thank you so much, Maria, for joining us today and breaking down your perspective as uh, as a journalist, as a woman that wears uh, the niqab and your experience uh, a, 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 in your identity uh, by wearing the niqab and what this story means to you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. That's uh, Maria Iqbal. She's the 905 region-based staff reporter for the Toronto Star, uh, talking about uh, the death of 22-year-old Masha Amini. She was detained by Iran's morality police, died in custody and the protest that sparked uh, worldwide, and what that means for women who are Muslim and women who wear niqab but still support the the efforts of women who are choosing not to. I'm Rabina Ahmed Haq, and this is the Alex Pearson Show.